is the Beyond the Studio podcast, and you're listening to Season 2, Beyond the Studio West Coast Edition. I'm Amanda Adams. And I'm Nicole Muller, and we're here to help you figure out the business of being an artist. Here we'll share honest conversations with artists, makers, and business experts, and dive deep into the work that happens beyond the studio. Support for this season comes from Southern Exposure's Alternative Exposure Grant Program in partnership with Facebook's Artist in Residence Program and the Andy Warhol Foundation. If you find value in listening to Beyond the Studio, we'd love to ask you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It's the easiest way to show us some love and to help others find the podcast. Thank you so much in advance for letting us know what you think and for supporting the show. You might hear some adult language used occasionally on the show, so please be mindful of those around you and pop in some headphones if needed. When I'm not working on the podcast, I'm working on my fiber art and illustration brand, Close Call Studio. So if you want to follow along with my own journey, you can check me out on Instagram at Close Call Studio or check out my website at CloseCallStudio.com. It's Nicole here, your other Beyond the Studio co-host. I'm a painter, muralist, and installation artist. If you want to see more of my work and studio process, you can find me on Instagram at Nicole Marie Muller or my website, which is Nicole Marie Muller. That's M-U-E-L-L-E-R dot com. Today, Nicole and I are interviewing Lillian Martinez, also known as BFGF. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Would you mind starting by just walking us through your creative journey thus far and those who are not familiar with you and your brand explaining that as well? Yes. So I'm a visual artist I paint and draw and work with sculpture, and that's sort of like my personal artistic practice. And then I have a shop called BFGF where I sell blankets and pillows and keychains or like anything I'm inspired to make that's not like a limited edition piece. It's like open. And those those pieces are usually based off digital drawings, and I consider that my commercial artistic practice but they're both very special to me and could you give us a little bit of background on your own personal history like where you grew up and where you live now I grew up in Chicago I was born in Chicago and I also went to college there I went to the school of the art institute and I studied photography mainly in video but they don't have majors there or grades So you're kind of free to explore a little bit. So I wasn't really introduced to art growing up. So I knew I had like a desire to make images and photography kind of just seemed like the most accessible thing to me. It felt like something I could learn how to do, but I really kind of struggled with it. I feel like I struggled with sort of like the restrictions of reality and photography I could never make an image that it felt perfect to me. Like there was always something off about it or I could never produce the image as I imagined it. So I started drawing after I graduated and that was in 2009. So I started drawing more and like working with more like tactile objects as well. Like I wanted to do to make pieces that you could like use or touch after working for so long with like digital flat files. That was kind of my transition from photography to like more of like an artistic practice, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
And at that point, um, when you first graduated from SAIC, what were you visualizing in terms of an artistic career? Like, did you have a sense of what that might look like for you? Or were you working, take, working a day job or odd jobs or starting to approach your artistic practice or different facets of it with more of a business mentality? Like, what was your thought process um, when you first graduated? I think we're always interested to hear about those first couple years out of school because it's always so at least for us there was always this huge question mark Um, we both came from fine arts backgrounds as well and didn't really know at the time what our lives or creative careers were going to look like it was actually really scary because it was during like a recession and a lot of people not only couldn't find jobs but a lot of people that had a lot of experience were getting like laid off and losing their jobs so it's really terrifying I feel like I worked a lot of kind of like random photo jobs like I did like e-commerce for a costume company in Chicago like photographing their products for their website I also did a lot of like sewing commissions I made like a woman's wedding dress which was pretty crazy at the time but I was like okay I'm gonna learn how to do this yeah yeah Um, well, it was very. It was a very simple dress. <laughs> it, wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't like an insane, like insanely detailed wedding dress. But so yeah, it was really hard try- for me trying to figure out what to do after graduating, and I didn't really have guidance or like those types of resources either. So I kind of just had to figure it out over the years, like figure it out what made me happy and what worked. And did you stay around Chicago during this time? Yeah, I stayed in Chicago after graduating. I think it was just hard to visualize, like, oh, moving. Like, I didn't even know, I feel like, that there was more opportunities in, like, bigger cities. Like, it was even hard for me to really grasp those, that concept. Like, it wasn't even in my realm of thought. I moved to Los Angeles with my husband because he was working at a photo catalog, and they would shoot a lot of their winter things in LA since it was the weather is always nice here usually so I would just come with him and sort of like explore the city and stay here for extended periods of time we just kind of like took a risk and initially we were actually planning to do photo stuff here but it just never really felt right I guess Mm mm-hmm so when you say took a risk to move out to LA, do you mean that there wasn't a lot lined up in terms of work or like not having a lot of personal connections, like really just kind of making a big cross-country move? We didn't have any work lined up. We saved money to move. So we uh-huh. were, but I mean, that's a us like a year or two to do, you know, and we didn't really have too many connections either. It was just, we just wanted to change, I think. Yeah. So what did that look like for you then when you moved out to L.A.? How were you starting to find your way in this new city? Before I moved to L.A., I had already started doing my shop, BFGF, but it was a lot slower. And I think when I moved to L.A., I was just like really inspired and I started producing more work. I started working for myself more and somehow something just sort of came together. I think I was just putting in a lot of work and it was really hard, but it just felt right and it felt good. Maybe we should back up a little bit then and um, talk about the the history of BFGF and a little more of your creative practice. When did that start to come into the picture and how did you decide to create this um, new brand for yourself? I started BFGF when I was in Chicago and initially I wanted to sort of like 
make patterns for fabric and make objects like book bags or stuff that you could wear. I was really interested in like textile design. But at the time, it wasn't as accessible. Like things that exist now were not as prominent. Like you couldn't easily print fabric of your own designs. I feel like now there are so many resources where you can do that. So I kind of had to figure out how to do it. And so I was experimenting with things like block printing or screen printing, just trying to make my own designs or just finding fabrics that I really loved. And I was doing a lot of sewing and it was just really labor intensive and it took a lot of time. So I wasn't really making enough money to sustain it. And it wasn't until I started just focusing on the design portion of it that it really started working for me. And that's when I started making like the blankets and pillows based off of my drawings. And then digital drawing was sort of like a really good transition from photography because I was still working sort of on a computer and, you know, it was easy to like edit and erase things, start over and just really experiment with it. And then after that is when I started painting. I started painting when I moved to LA and I was actually really scared to start painting. It was just, I don't know why. (laughs) And just something about it just felt like bigger than me. Like, I don't know. Uh, But then I started and it was really fun and it was really satisfying and it just really improved like my quality of life. And so, yeah, so I started painting after I started BFGF. Oh, interesting. Was there a moment when you started finding more platforms or like technology made it a little easier to produce the kind of work that you wanted to? Or were you having to find unconventional ways to print your designs on these pillows and throws? Like how are you handling the fabrication aspect of it once you decided that it wasn't as sustainable to manually print or screen print everything and wanted and kind of went on the more chose a different production route to focus on the the design aspect I work with a mill in North Carolina to produce the pieces for my shop and also I feel like having fun and photographing those pieces has really been beneficial for me and for my business so I, I use Instagram a lot it's just really easy to share my work with people online in that way. And it's super easy to just have that link that you can click on. It takes you to a website. So I feel like using Instagram was probably like the biggest facilitator for me as far as like sharing my work and making sales and helping my business grow because it felt very intuitive to me, like coming from a photo background, I feel like using those two things it was almost like photo was no longer my way of like making work but it was a way of archiving and a way of sharing work so it was more of a tool rather than the end product and did that just start to grow organically for you or how are you seeing growth in your audience translate into support for your work or sales yeah I feel like it was very intuitive I focused on things that I felt were fun for me and that I could sort of understand, which was mainly like photography and finding interesting and fun ways to share my work with people. Like that's really fun for me to do. Also, just like working really hard for myself, uh, working like 40 plus hours 
a week, you know, like as if you're working a full time job, just dedicating that time to work to my own practice has been really helpful for me. Do you feel like you have a pretty good balance between, I guess, the time that you're spending on BFGF and time you're spending on your fine art practice? Or are you kind of it's all under like, do you consider it all to be part of I don't know, I guess two sides of the same coin, or do you consider them to be separate and you're kind of dividing your time amongst the two? It's strange. It's really nice to have both things to sort of bounce back from because, I mean, I don't dedicate a certain amount of time to either practice. I just sort of focus on what I'm doing, what project I'm working on at the moment, and just whatever feels right and whatever needs to get done. So I see them as two separate things, but they're connect- they're very connected. And I don't feel like I prioritize one over the other. It's more of, I feel like I prioritize whatever I'm working on at the moment. And then I, it's really nice to have both things sort of going on at the same time. I don't know, it's just never boring. I'm just always really excited to get ideas and be able to execute them and present them. I have sort of two just two outlets, I guess, to present them in, whether it's my shop or a more like a one of a kind piece. When you started BFGF in Chicago, were you thinking about it as this potential entrepreneurial career path, um, like something you wanted to grow into a more sustainable path for yourself? Or did you just view this as a purely creative outlet? Like what was the relationship between that and then the other creative jobs you were working? Was this around the same time also that you were um, like photo assisting and working various odd jobs? Yeah, in Chicago, I was doing both things and it was really hard, I feel like, to focus just because it takes so much energy to produce work and to focus on your own practice. But I definitely wanted that to be my main like source of income and my main... I didn't want to have to work for other people, I guess. But financially, it wasn't successful enough, I feel like. Or it was just hard to... It's hard to make that leap to be... To focus on your own practice, I feel like, and to dedicate or to decide like, yeah, I'm just going to work for myself. I feel like that's really scary. And it took me a while to figure out how to do it. Yeah, I feel like Amanda's been on a similar journey with her work and life. Yeah, for for context, I also went to school for photo and primarily am making my income from my like fiber-based product brand and I started out making everything by hand and now I'm doing more outsourcing so this is super fascinating to me because I'm like how did you up level how did you start getting more expensive items into your shop every time I think about wanting to try a whole new product I'm like okay I need to make enough money to order enough to make it worth it and hope that they sell like how do you kind of figure out what types of products you want to bring into your store and finding the right fabricators to work with? I feel like for me, it's just about being like super excited about something. Like if I wanted to exist in the world, then I'll make the leap to make it happen. But I feel like definitely in the beginning, I had to start small, you know, and even just making one or a couple of pieces just to see how it does. Like, I feel like even if you're taking a loss, it'll be a learning experience and you're making something that you're really excited about. I feel like that's how I usually approach it. 
Yeah. How do you find the fabricators or manufacturers that you want to work with when you outsource and have pieces produced? Say an artist is wanting to do, you know, have blankets made for the first time. Well, for me, actually, the way that I started making blankets is I was just I was making a bunch of digital drawings and sharing them online. And then a friend of mine was like, oh, you should make woven blankets out of these. And I was like, oh, that would be so cool. Like, I didn't know that was possible. Like, I was like, yeah, if I could do that, that would be so cool. But then she's like, oh, here's a group on for, like, this place. So <laughs> nice. then, I don't know, I guess it, it happened, like, it was just very casual. Now I've been working with them for a couple of years. I just feel like there's so many places, like Spoonflower, like you know, Society6, where you can sort of make things and uh, figure it out from there. Also, like, the internet. Like, you can find anything online. Just go online (laughs) and try it out. I'm curious if you are utilizing those platforms, like, if you found those other avenues to sell work, because you've also got your own, your own platform set up uh, to purchase work directly through your website. So in that case... I'm assuming that the fabricators are sending the product to you so that you can then photograph and put those on your own shop. Is that solely the way that you're selling your work or do you also use um, some of those built-in platforms that both make and sell the products? It depends, I think. With like Spoonflower, Spoonflower, you can print fabric of your own design and then they just send you the actual fabric and then you can make you know, whatever you want. I usually make scarves from Spinflower. And then Society6, I don't usually get products from them. They just sort of sell it on their platform and then they give you a commission of it. So the majority of my shop are pieces from the mill that I work with in North Carolina. But I also have like keychains and things like that. And I mean, those are things you can just like find online. I feel like it's really easy to search those types of things up. So I'm wondering how your business um, started to grow over time then. Did you find that this was primarily through Instagram, like through social media, people finding your work and then becoming, uh, you know, interested in purchasing it? Or were there other avenues that you were finding to connect with an audience? Were you doing a lot of pop-up markets and craft shows and things like that as well? I feel like those things kind of came after sort of finding an audience on Instagram. I feel like that's been the easiest thing for me and what I've seen more results is just sharing my work online uh, through images. I feel like doing in-person events definitely lead to more sales as well but it's been more effective for me to focus on like online sharing things online it's definitely a lot easier to share online than to lug all of your stuff to markets and pop-up shops yeah amanda's familiar with that life (laughs) so you mentioned this uh kind of growth period when you moved out to la can you talk a little bit about that experience like what do you attribute that to spending more time on your creative practice or were there other things that happened uh in addition to the move that helped you to kind of elevate your brand or business and start to make it a little more sustainable 
I think when I moved to LA, I was really inspired. And you know what? It was really easy to find like kind of like cool, beautiful places to shoot my work in as well. I feel like that was really helpful. Like there's just so many plants here or like so many day trips you can drive to the desert, to the mountains, to the ocean. And not only was that like really inspiring, but it also helped me figure out how to shoot my work in like an interesting and fun way. And I feel like that led to a lot of sales and like more people being interested. I don't know, my audience just grew from there, sort of from exploring California. Are you ever creating like commission or client-based work or is it all usually work that you want to create that you're then either putting into your shop or selling like paintings? Actually, this year and part of last year, I've been working on more commissions But before then, mostly just online sales and things that I want to make. But lately, I've been working with other companies, uh, like more commercial companies on smaller projects, more commissioned work. So that's been interesting. But I mean, I do feel like it took me a while to get to that point. Can you talk about what some of those are? I can't really talk about them yet. But an example of something that's already been or an example of a project that I worked on that was, that has already been released was I was commissioned to make a fountain for a shop on Venice Beach. I made two fountains for a solo show I had in LA about a year ago. And from there, I think they just saw an image of it on Instagram. And then they asked me to work on this fountain. And I worked on it with my husband because he's a sculptor. And I actually commissioned him to make the fountains for my show. So we worked on that project together. And that was like a year long project. It was very stressful. But yeah, that's on display now. It's a Swedish footwear company, and they just opened a space on on the boardwalk on Venice Beach. So your husband is also an artist. What is it like collaborating with your husband? Nicole and I are both also in creative partnerships, but I haven't, I've never collaborated with my husband. Yeah, my partner comes more from the design world, and um, I'm more in the fine art space. So um, we're both uh, with creatives, but we're sort of like on different spheres. So it's interesting to think about how you're able to bring both of your practices together and find opportunities for collaboration. So I met my husband in college in photo class. So we both studied photography. Cute. It's actually really nice. It's kind of like a special lucky situation because he's really good at photography. So he helps me shoot all my stuff for my shop and my artwork. So we work on that a lot together. So we collaborate on that, on photography a lot for my shop. And that's, I feel really lucky to have that because photography can be really expensive or really tough to figure out if you don't. If you don't have experience with it, I think. And he started sculpting maybe like two years ago. Uh, it's something he's always wanted to do, but we never really had enough money to sort of invest in that practice because it's really it's kind of expensive like to buy the stones and like all the tools and stuff. So he kind of had a similar path as me, I think, as far as starting with photography and then transitioning into a more fine art practice. And just sort of figuring out how to do that, how to be able to do that financially and also to find the time and the space to do it. So we collaborate on a regular basis. 
in photography and that was really our first opportunity to collaborate in a more I guess it's a it's still a very commercial project but it seems like it's based more in our fine art practices. So did your move out to LA coincide with your making the leap into working on your creative practice full-time? I feel like it did because we didn't come here with jobs or with really like a set plan just came with an idea of wanting to work for ourselves and wanting to work together. So it's strange because we wanted to do photography and work together, but we didn't end up doing photography, but we're still, we still work together. So we sort of accomplished what we wanted, but it's much different than we imagined it was going to be. Mm -hmm. And is he the only other person that you're working with or do you have employees under BFGF or studio assistant or anyone beyond the two of you guys? No, it's just me and my husband. Yeah, it's just us doing everything. Recently, I was—I actually started um, using a fulfillment company to ship my orders. So I guess that's something that I sort of outsourced to see if I liked it and if it allowed me more time to focus on other things. But it was actually still stressful because there's still like a lot of mistakes that happen. And it's harder when it's not your mistake so you have to troubleshoot it but you're working with a company so it doesn't really feel like you're talking to a real person so I think I'm gonna go back to shipping everything myself eventually yeah what uh I'm so curious I've never even thought about like using a fulfillment service do they just have all of your inventory and then they ship it as things are sold uh, yeah, so you kind of uh, set it up so that it's linked to your shop, whatever online platform you use. And then you, you have to sort of like fetch the orders from your shop. And, you know, there's a program that imports the orders, but you have to manually put them through. So it's definitely something that I would recommend to people, especially if you don't have a lot of different products, but you're selling large quantities of maybe like a couple of things um I think it's really helpful to try and use a fulfillment company to ship your orders but it didn't work out for me as well as I wanted it to yeah the thought of handing that over is terrifying to me because I imagine that things probably would get messed up and orders coming back wrong and like I don't know just quality control relinquishing that can be a little scary yeah it definitely is and yeah I don't know do you run your shop out of a studio space or out of uh like another location or do you do it out of home uh I started doing it from home that's how I started and then I started renting a studio in LA it's always been like shared spaces that I've had with people and right now I'm using the fulfillment company so I have to look for a new space if I want to be able to do it uh, myself again. So right now I have a space, but it's more of like a workspace for painting. So it doesn't really have the, the space that I need for shipping. Are there any other um, tools or systems that you have uh, for managing the business side of your work or resources or things that have been especially helpful? I feel like finding a platform that you really like or that works for you uh, has been really helpful because when I started BFGF, I was on Etsy and that just didn't feel like personal enough 
or something like you definitely feel like you're in that Etsy realm yeah you just can't really personalize your shop I feel like in the way that I wanted to do it so then after Etsy I tried Ticktail and that was actually really good but I think they I think they're no longer up I think I think Ticktail's gone now so now I use Squarespace and I feel like that works really well for me I think just finding a site that works well for what you're doing and then also I don't know for me just not having to make physically make things with my hands was so helpful and it really allowed me to like just focus on designing pieces and focusing on like analytics and just like what works and what doesn't work for me yeah so when you say analytics like can you dive deeper into that and kind of how you're figuring out what things are worth spending your time and money on and what things are like how are you figuring all that out I think just by looking at sales and seeing what people are interested in, like I initially just make something because I want to make it and then I see how it's received. And I feel like that's been really helpful, like being able to focus on that, but also like keeping up with inventory. I feel like it's really important. Uh, Just having more time to like create images for my shop has been super fun and important for me. So it seems like you're both selling your work through your online shop as well as through boutique stores and showing your your paintings and showing your work in gallery spaces in LA. Could you talk a little bit about just the different avenues that you're sharing and showing your work and maybe what the working relationship has been like for both BFGF and your personal creative practice um, with these other spaces? Yeah, um, so most of my sales come from my online shop, but I definitely try to set up um, in-person events because I feel like it's really fun and it's really helpful. So whenever I travel, I try to set up like a pop-up with someone that I know online. I feel like, you know, making friends online has been very helpful for me. I highly recommend it to everyone. Um, Just (laughs) connecting with people that, you know, you really like what they're doing and it just like speaks to you. That's really important, I think. So I try to set up in-person events when I can. Also, it's a good write-off if you're traveling and it's like a work trip, you know? (laughs) Yes. Yep. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like those relationships just happen organically like you connect with someone online and then if I'm traveling then I have that sort of connection to sort of I have that connection so that I can you know get in touch with them and let them know that I'm gonna be traveling to wherever they are and then we you know set it up and as far as galleries I actually started uh, working with a gallery in LA because I did a pop-up at their space that a friend organized and at the, that point, I was like, oh, I really want to show work, like artwork. So and I brought some shop stuff, but I also brought like a painting and like a framed blanket. Just like it just um, I wanted to sort of take that opportunity to be like, oh, what does it feel like to show in a gallery? You know, I'd never shown in a gallery before. And that's mm-hmm. how, sort of how I made that connection and developed that relationship. So just take yeah. <laughs> I don't know, just try to create opportunities for yourself, I feel like. That's been really helpful for me. 
like giving myself work just like uh or giving what I'm doing value I feel like no one else is gonna put that value on your work but yourself so that's been really helpful for me yeah like being your own advocate if you want to show in a gallery and you happen to be doing a pop-up at the gallery might as well bring bring some fine art do you have any experiences that of course, every artist, has, well, every person has like tough experiences, but any experiences through business where you kind of had to learn stuff the hard way? I feel like maybe not with business, but with sort of figuring out what I wanted to do and how I wanted to work. I feel like I learned that I don't have to work with people that I don't like or that I don't, that just, it doesn't feel right. Um, I feel like I struggled with that when I first started showing work. Like, do I have to work with galleries or people that, like, I feel like it just, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if you guys, have you guys ever felt that way? Like, do I have to do do this even even though it doesn't feel right to sort of make my way through and get to where I want to be I feel like I learned that I don't have to do that that there's other ways if it doesn't feel right it's usually not right or yeah it's usually not right for you like follow your instincts I feel like I had to learn how to follow my instinct yeah and trust sort of what I'm feeling I know for me when I first started trying to sell my work in person I just kind of said yes to every single market opportunity that was sent my way and I thought like oh these markets are all reaching out to me and they all want me to be in their craft show I'm gonna do it and learned through that that yeah I just said yes to everything I was invited to because I was like I'm broke and I can really I would like to move this inventory as quickly as possible but definitely learned that there are certain settings where my work is really appropriate and certain settings where it makes no sense and there's no market for me. And it was hard at first for me to start saying no to things that weren't the right fit because I feel like sometimes if I say no, it it feels like I'm coming off like it's a personal like, no, I don't like you, even though like some things just are not the right fit. And that's a lesson I've had to learn is just accepting that like, I don't have to work with everybody. I don't have to do every event that comes my way. I don't have to sell my work through every store that wants to have it. It's all about finding the right partnerships that make sense for me and for them and for us to kind of help each other out and grow together. But that was definitely learned the hard way. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you still struggle with it? or? Um, no, I feel like I'm starting to establish better boundaries with my business. But I think that... A lot of that came with just learning the value of my own time and like I only have so many hours in the day and I only have so much time to spend with the people that I love and that, you know, doing the things that matter to me and I have to prioritize that. But it it definitely took a while (laughs) to figure that out and to learn how to establish healthy boundaries. I mean, I, I probably do still struggle with it pretty regularly and it's like, once you get in balance, it's hard to stay in balance. And I feel like it's a constant seesaw situation. But I think that's probably everybody. Or at least I hope it's not just me. It's everyone. Yeah. 
(laughs) I feel like there's such a simple truth in there too about just listening to your intuition, which is so much easier said than done if you're not really paying close attention. And as artists, when so much of our work and our creative paths and lives is really self-driven I think like the idea of self-awareness and defining success in your own terms and all of that has um, definitely come up before but I think like the way forward really relies on a lot of cultivating that inner voice right and that kind of like introspection and really paying attention to those like sometimes subtle internal cues around like whether or not something feels right or you know whether or not you actually did enjoy that experience or if you just felt like you had to do it because you're supposed to be showing in you know a certain type of gallery or going to a certain kind of craft show or whatever it is and so I think that it, it can actually be really difficult to really take a look at what what is right for you, um, which might not be the, what's right for everybody else or even other artists that are working around you. And so just really learning to, you know, say no to the things that don't serve you in your work and also to say yes to the things that really do bring you joy and move your work forward even if it looks different from what everyone around you is doing and I feel like that's what you know so many artists are trying to navigate so I think like what you said there about just listening to your intuition is actually really really important you guys are good do you guys just do the podcast of you two talking (laughs) we've done a couple but it's so funny we always I think we enjoy the interviews 10 times more than we enjoy I mean I love talking with Amanda but there's a lot of added pressure when it's just the two of us so it's way more interesting to you know learn from other people and to hear what they're doing and I feel like especially with the two of you having these kind of like parallel paths, I can see a lot of the kind of decisions um, that you've made with your business. Um, Amanda has also like had to ask herself or gone through. So it's interesting to hear a little bit of each of your stories and also how different they are. How did you guys start the podcast if you guys are on different coasts? We initially, well, we both went to school together here in Baltimore. Uh, We both went to MICA, the Maryland Institute College of Art, and we actually were roommates my freshman year. Nicole was my RA, and we lived (laughs) together, but she was the roommate that I got along with the most, and we became fast friends and lived together again later, and good roommates can make good friends, but not all good friends can make good roommates. (laughs) Uh, That's true. But uh, we just, I don't know, I, at home we were always talking about our practices and what we were going through and learning, and we spent a lot of time in the kitchen bouncing ideas off of each other over smoothies. And when she was moving to the other coast, I was sort of in, well, we were both in like a weird drop transition and not sure what to do from there but I was like hey Nicole do you want to do a podcast about art and she was like oh yeah I was thinking about doing a blog so this sounds great and uh we started the podcast I mean it took us a while to figure out how to start the podcast and the first several episodes we re-recorded multiple times because we were so self-conscious of being recorded and interviewing and 
just talking about ourselves and our stories. But conducting a lot of interviews have has definitely made me more comfortable on the mic. But still, whenever it's just the two of us, it sort of feels like we're back at the beginning again. We're like, what do we talk about? It's just us. We can't even ask anyone else questions. Like, what are we supposed to say? How are we supposed to be interesting enough and, I don't know, have enough like valuable information to share? But when you record, sometimes you say something smart and you're like, thank God that was recorded. I didn't even <laughs> notice it. Yeah, but it also makes me think about what you said earlier, Lillian, about um, making friends online and then building off of those relationships and like letting those lead to other opportunities. Because um, I feel like that's what the podcast has been for us is just a, you know, a, a platform to connect with other artists who, um, you know, we've in a few cases um, most recently we were in New York together for an event and got the chance to meet some of the artists that we'd interviewed before so I think that was the first time where some of these virtual connections have led into actual you know in-person meetings or collaborations so it was kind of interesting to hear about that from you too have there been any other examples of that uh, you can think of where like a initial connection made online or through Instagram led into an actual friendship or collaboration or opportunity? Yeah, I feel like I have a lot of online friends, more than real life friends, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But um, okay, so an example would be, I know one of the questions you asked was like, what does a normal day look like for you? Just kind of leading up to it. So today I went to shoot some photos uh, to promote a pop-up that I'm doing here in LA with this brand called Fujiamo. And she's Jackie who runs Fujiamo, someone that I met on Instagram. We just started following each other because, you know, we liked each other, what we were doing and we liked each other's photos. But she's a shop that sort of sells other smaller brands clothing and shoes and things like that um so we connected online and then we sort of coordinated to do a shoot collaborative shoot leading up to this pop-up and I feel like it took us a while to sort of connect and like um you know make time to actually do it so I feel like that's part of the that's one of the hardest things I think is to make time for these collaborations and for these connections but I feel like it's definitely worth it because you make friends and then you know I don't know, it it helps you. You're helping each other and you're helping facilitate what they're doing and they're helping you as well. So she found a space that was open to hosting our pop-up, which is a shop called Sanso in Frogtown. And they sell like really special like plants that they get from collect. Uh, from like collector's gardens I think they take clippings and then grow them and sell the plants and then they make all the planters there they have a ceramic studio there it's like a really beautiful space so that's a connection I made online that's some of the easiest ways to find people that you have so much in common with and like see it right away and set up opportunities to collaborate and learn from each other and work together I feel like maybe because people don't make the leap to take it outside of just that like um online setting into like Uh, a real thing you know because it takes a lot of time and energy I feel like to foster those kinds of relationships um outside of an online setting yeah I mean I get really nervous when I meet people in person so I do too. It's a lot of emotional work, I feel like, to put yourself yeah. out there, you know? Yeah, very true. 
couple days ago, I met up with an embroidery artist that I've admired from afar for years. And like finally meeting in person, I was like, oh my God, she's like, so I hope good. Like I'm terrified to meet this artist. Yeah, like I hope we... <laughs> I hope we get along and actually have comfortable conversation. And it ended up being a complete blast. And I'm so glad that we did get together. And hopefully she'll be on the podcast sometime. It is scary to take that leap. But once you establish that connection of like, we know each other now, we are friends now, it can open up so many doors. And mm-hmm. it gets more comfortable into with time. <laughs> I mean, I still get nervous before every interview. I'm like, this amazing person is willing to talk to us. Don't make a fool out of yourself. <laughs> I'm really nervous. Don't be. But know that we are too. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. It's how it's like everyone is feeling the same way, but we still have we still come into it with all these fears. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of what, you know, our our hope with this was to do because we felt like there were all of these barriers or maybe just self-imposed or like perceived distance between you know the artists that we really admired and who it just seemed like were killing it online or you know they're like making a living off of their work or they're showing in all these great spaces or like whatever aspect of you know their work and life we really admired and so I think that it's easy to just kind of take that at face value and um one thing like we're always talking about with social media is that it's so easy just to compare your own your own reality to someone else's highlight reel and so just wanting to like get a little further into the real story and all the behind the scenes and all the the real work that goes into that and so I feel like you know the same way you're talking about just bringing these collaborations into a real space like letting social media be the gateway is you know kind of how we were viewing the podcast initially as this gateway into further conversation and wanting to like push past that initial like version that we all kind of present to each other but knowing that there's there's so much else going on there and like that's what we really wanted to talk about is how artists are are really making it work you know Mm -hmm. this is a gateway do you feel like um or how has living in LA informed your work life? You mentioned it being a real source of inspiration when you first moved out, but having gone to school and lived in Chicago and elsewhere, do you feel like there are other ways that being in Los Angeles has really impacted your work? I feel like it's easier for me to stay motivated and to push myself to work really hard like the weather has such an effect on me I feel like in that regard like the fact that it's always sunny and like the weather's usually nice like it's for me it's easier to like work really hard I don't know why but also I feel like I've been really inspired by the sun here it's actually I mean it can be really intense the sun here like it's almost like you always have to wear a hat if you're going outside but it does something like really special I feel like to the colors and um everything sort of has like this sun bleached quality to it that I I feel like I've really utilized that palette in my um painting it just looks so beautiful to me and I don't know all the colors are really bright but they're still kind of like soft and delicate in a way so it's like things like that I feel like that I don't I wouldn't really normally think about but you know when I'm asked this question I have to figure it out and um 
sort of, you know, put it into words, uh, what I've experienced here and what, well, how it's, like, affected my work. Also, I mean, there's just, like, so many people here in Los Angeles, like, doing their own thing and working really hard. And I feel like that's inspiring as well to see people just doing it. Yeah, it goes back to what you said at the beginning of our conversation about um, maybe not having those creative models growing up, but um, it's interesting to talk with artists about, you know, how they start to develop this sense of like what's possible um, for their own life and, you know, find creative mentors. And so I definitely feel like that the influence of just seeing people around you who are doing really creative things uh, is really powerful too. Yeah, definitely. I know we touched on it, but didn't go into it fully. What does a typical day look like for you? Do you have any kind of routine that you stick to to kind of get in the zone? Or is it every day is kind of different? Yeah, I think it depends what I'm working on. Like if I'm preparing for a show, to have a show to show my um, my work, like my paintings or sculptures, I try to really focus on that, like to complete the work and to just not have too many distractions. So I'll do like the bare minimum for my shop, which would be like, you know, doing inventory, making sure like orders are getting shipped out. But then if I'm not working on a show, I feel like I try to take the time to um, make images to promote my shop or to take that time to create like a new piece for my shop, like to design a new piece. So it really just depends on what I'm working on. Like I said today, I went off to shoot photos to promote a pop-up and then I went to the fulfillment center that I work with to pick up some pieces that I needed to grab to fulfill um, some wholesale orders. And then so I just spent the day doing that, like packing up orders and I spent a little bit of time researching, um, just sourcing materials for new projects that like smaller projects that I want to do in the near future. I might be projecting, so, or this is just like a question for me personally, but as someone working for yourself, do you find it difficult to clock out and return to like a normal, just chilling time being a human and not just in art or business mode? I know for myself, I am like, I, I either have a really hard time getting into it and like being motivated to get started on working because I'm like, oh, I'm working from home. I can I can start working now or in a couple hours or the opposite end where there are days where I'm like, oh, shit, I, I worked for like 12 hours straight. This is not necessary, but I don't know how to clock out. Like, do you have similar struggles of getting in or out of the flow of working? I feel like I try not to separate my work and my personal life too much. I feel like that just works for me. Like, I feel like I allow myself to find inspiration or to get ideas just like 24 seven, like just during my normal life. But I feel like I definitely try to like reserve the evenings to not work. But then if I get an idea, you know, if I have to work for a little while, it's easy for me to sort of jump back in and out. I feel like not separating it so much works for me but I also really enjoy working from home it's nice (laughs) being able to roll out of bed not have to change not have to leave the house and just work is pretty great 
I mean, I'm working from bed right now. (laughs) Are there any other experiences that have really shaped your work or your life that we haven't talked about yet that you think is important to share? I feel like being able to travel has really sort of motivated me to work harder and it's just given me a lot of inspiration. I wasn't really able to travel until maybe like a couple years ago. And it's been really inspiring and just really helps keep me motivated and keep me like happy. And are you traveling usually for personal reasons or is it for some kind of collaboration or um, something else that's like getting you out to different places? I usually plan the trip first and then I figure out how to make it into a work-related trip. Mm. For tax purposes. For tax purposes. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Very savvy. Is there any advice that you would give to an artist that is like just interested in starting a product-based business, wanting to start from the beginning? What would you recommend? Mm, Let's see. I think I would recommend making something, like I said before, making something that you want to see exist in the world because there's already so many things out there. Like it has to be something that you're really excited about and you want to see materialized. And if it speaks to you, then I think it would speak to other people. And you know, that's, I feel like that's hard to figure out as well. Like it's a lot of pressure, just experimenting, like allowing yourself to experiment and yeah, follow your intuition. Yeah. Yeah. Work really hard. (laughs) If you think you can't work harder, work a little harder. Love it. Is there any advice that has been given to you that has been super impactful on how you pursue your art practice? I feel like supporting the type of economy that you want to see thriving is really important. Like I try to support smaller businesses and shops because I feel not only am I excited about what they're making, but I want that economy to thrive because I mean, that's the economy that I want to thrive in as well. So supporting whatever you want to see or whatever is important to you, I think is just as important as supporting your own personal practice. I think it helps like facilitate a community. Yeah, that's really great advice. Just investing in your own community. Lillian, where can people find your work um, if they want to follow your painting practice um, as well as finding BFGF online or in person? BFGF online is bfgf-shop.com and you can see my paintings at lillianmartinez.com. All my stuff's online, mostly. Perfect. Awesome. Thank Thank you you so so much. much for letting us interview and and taking up your time yeah thanks for having me that's it for this episode of the beyond the studio podcast you can find show notes references and a brief summary of the episode over at our website beyond the dot studio while you're there be sure to sign up for our mailing list to find out about upcoming guests special announcements and podcast giveaways i hope there's enough stuff to make an episode